Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio. We're having a little trouble with our studio, and I hope I'm able to bring my guest in. Um, I see she's in the dashboard, so Elise, um, if you can hear me, I know you're here, and we're having a little problem with the studio. Um, so welcome. This is uh, Last First Date Radio. I am the confidence, communication, and love coach for women over 40, and every Tuesday it is my honor to interview top experts and cutting-edge authors who teach you how to attract and sustain healthy relationships. And today I'm going to be speaking with Elise Carr about how to achieve love by awakening from within. In my 10 years as a life and dating coach, what I know for sure is that if you identify and heal your unhealthy patterns from your past, if you honor and value all the parts of yourself, especially the parts that people told you were too much or not enough, you're going to transform your love life and become the woman of value who attracts in toe-curling epic love. Every week I bring you a tip on how to be that woman of value, and this week's tip is step number one, which is to communicate clearly and graciously. And what I mean by that is that we often suppress our emotions, we do not communicate our needs in a way that people can hear and honor. And uh, I'm about to launch my boundaries course again in a few months we are releasing a video every every week um, about a boundary challenge so uh, if you're not yet uh, a member of my blog or subscribe to my blog you can go on lastfirstdate.com and hit the blog section and you can sign up to get weekly emails or you can get my weekly newsletter um, and I would love to have you in the group so um, and in, I mean, on my email list. Um, anyway, join my private Facebook group if you're not already there. The group is Your Last First Date, and the conversation there is positive, supportive, and juicy. Um, one more thing is that I forget to promote this, but I um, have a special promotion through Audible. Um, if you're not a member of Audible, and people love listening to audiobooks, uh, there's a special deal that you can get through this show and it's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date and your first book is free you get a 30-day a free trial uh, so go for it um, okay so let me introduce our guest and hopefully I'll be able to bring her on Elise Carr is the woman behind Stella Muse Mentoring your journey of awakening from within through sacred guidance, sacred sexuality, spirituality, and soul. She has unwavering presence, fierce dedication, and spirited insight, and she guides inspirational souls on a purpose-driven mission away from illusion to creative and to create courageous love and mental clarity. Harmonizing the body, emotions, and heart with the mind, and she guides you deeper into knowing yourself as a soul. She is a dedicated student of the esoteric mysteries and a certified Tantra practitioner, a Reiki master, a holistic life and health coach, 
And she's also a writer, a speaker, a model, and an artist, if that wasn't enough. So join me now for episode number 291, How to Achieve Love by Awakening from Within. Oh, I hope this works. I see the little thing spinning around, Elise, and it's not bringing you in. Um, You might want to call back and see if that works. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know what's happening with the Blog Talk studio today, but I had trouble logging in, and so it seems like my studio is a little bit messed up. So Elise is going to call back in. I see that she has hung up, and um, so I am... I'm excited to have her come back in. We're going to be talking about the important conversation about how to awaken from within. So let me see if this works this time. Still spinning around in a circle. I know that it's also like super early in the morning for Elise. She's calling all the way from Australia or New Zealand. Oh, did that work? No. Okay, I'm still trying. Hello. Oh, oh my God, it worked. <laughs> this is Can you so hear frustrating. Me? I'm so sorry. I hear you. Do you hear me? Yes. Hi, Sam. Okay, you thank you. Oh my God, thank you for your patience and for calling back in. Ah, this of is course. so frustrating. <laughs> so welcome. Um, the first question I'd love to ask my guests is especially when you do something so sacred and beautiful is what inspired you to do this work? I have a feeling something transformational happened in your life. Yes, it sure did. <laughs> I I was living a very different life. My biggest transformation, you know, personally and professionally, is probably when I was about 22. And back then I was modeling internationally and I was also a foreign correspondent journalist. And in a nutshell, neither of these professions, although I'd been doing it for a very long time, were nourishing my body and my heart and my mind. And it was actually coming back from an international modeling trip one time that I ended up being hospitalized. And this wasn't because I was into the sex, drugs and rock and roll. I was living a very pure life, but I was working very hard. I was away from my loved ones. Uh, My body was pushed to the max and I was definitely deprived of of love, to be honest, love for myself because I didn't create the time and, and love from those around me because it was so isolating being in that kind of environment. So I came back and I ended up being in hospital with a cyst on my ovary that ruptured and my heart flatlined four times. And it was then in in the recovery of that, that in hindsight, it's much easier to see. And obviously, I've got over a decade on that life then now. But to understand that I wasn't anything that I associated myself with. I wasn't a journalist anymore because I could barely walk and wash my own hair. There was no way I was getting on a catwalk anytime soon for fashion week. I was no longer a model, so to speak. My partner at the time left me. I was no longer a girlfriend. All these identifiers that I thought were me were stripped away. And it's like a part of me had to die for a part of me to be reborn. And it was definitely Mm -hmm. the greatest crossroads I ever faced. And it was from there that I then decided to go back and study my master's in communications and cultural politics and women's studies. And women's studies kind of launched me into, A, wanting to pack my bags and move to Paris, 
as I did, but to further my studies and my work on myself. And from there, I, I created Stella Muse and I kept on adding to this soulful bag of mastery from then becoming a certified coach to becoming a certified tantra practitioner to exploring and becoming certified in Reiki and everything else that I've gathered along the way. But I just reached a point where I realized what are all these pieces of paper for if I can't serve. And it was a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. after the whole physical debacle where I realized service is what is key. It's not just working on myself. Once you've done that, it's then showing up and, and giving to others. So that's when I kind of changed Stella Muse into a professional basis and began to offer the work I do through sacred guidance and spirituality and soul work. Mm. Wow, what a story. I, lo- I love how you turned it around from total devastation and losing your identity to recreating yourself and finding your center and service, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't understand what service is. Like they think it means you're depleting yourself, that all you are, you live to serve. So can you explain a little bit more about what service means to you and, and how how that looks? Sure. To me, in a sense, you do lose yourself because you realize that you and your own little world and all your little everyday problems, which for some of us feel extreme and for others really aren't a big deal, like let's say, you know, breaking a nail, we realize in a sense of what's going on in the world, it is kind of insignificant. I'm not saying you or I are insignificant because we're all part of the whole, but that's what we seem to have forgotten in humanity. We forget that it's not us and them and me and you, it is us collective. So when you start to tap into your ability to serve in whatever capacity that is, tapping into your skills, your gifts, whatever you're here to really excel in and radiate out, you have a shift in perspective. It is a shift in consciousness. And you start to get joy from that. I don't call it happiness because I guess I see happiness has that polarity of sadness. You can't have one without the other. They're both sides of one coin. Joy is kind of something you get when you stand in the middle So for some people at first it might be uncomfortable because it it asks a lot. People might be quite demanding of you. This is why, as you already touched on before, you need boundaries. And we need boundaries Mm -hmm. in professional relationships as much as we do in personal relationships. So that's a huge one, you know, along with honoring your Mm -hmm. truth and all those kind of things that I'm sure we'll dive into soon. So it all connects. How we serve our beloved or future partner is not too dissimilar to how, you know, we might serve our tribe or our community because essentially it's all coming from a place of love and loving kindness and compassion, non-judgment. Obviously, romantic love can be deemed different to platonic love, but essentially it's all from that place of light, that, that place of wanting to serve because you have an overriding desire to want to give of yourself because that's why you believe you're here, to be of service. And to me, nothing has felt more true and authentic than really understanding that by feeling it. So if you're not feeling it and you're still sitting on the fence and you're still thinking otherwise... Perhaps you just haven't found how you want to serve yet. And that's a journey in itself. Some people find it when they're very young. Mm -hmm. Some people find it later on in life. There's no right and wrong timing there. It's just part of the path. Mm. So how you want to serve. Because I think what I grew up with the model of you serve everybody and then you're really pissed off about it. (laughs) Um, So we don't want to serve, right? That sounds very feminist. 77. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you don't want to serve with resentment. You want to serve from that place of these are my gifts and this is what I have to offer. And, and it it helps me by helping others. I think, you know, what you said about joy, and this has been a big topic for me in the last few weeks. I've been reading the Book of Joy with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu's conversation. Um, 
beautiful book, and it's it's really about finding joy in 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 a world of adversity and through trials and troubles. And a lot of people talk about this that when you're really uh, depressed and down, you're very self focused. You know, it's really about you. You become very very self consumed. And one of the few things that people say, like when you're really down, is to go and serve others. You know, go to a soup kitchen, go help the homeless, go serve on a charity board. Do something that shows that you're connected to the world. Um, so I think, I think it's, a, it's an important thing that we can forget when we're really down and thinking that we're alone in the world. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's really tricky, I suppose, when it comes to something like depression. There are times in our life when... Obviously, we do need to go within. We do need to retreat. We do need to just be self-focused for a time because we need to heal. We can't go out there and then be flopping that all over the shop and projecting onto others if we're not Uh somewhat emotionally stable. But there is that line then where you go, well, hang on a minute. I can't keep going through this cycle time after time after time without making a change. And like you said then, taking that action of then going, hang on a minute. What if I took myself to, yeah, a soup kitchen? What if I took myself to the local community center? However it is, but... I think we also at the same time can't forget ourselves entirely if you're going through a crisis or trauma. They're pretty extreme times. But if you know you're going through your patterns, then being aware of that, witnessing it and taking action from there to serve is a really beautiful gift and a very powerful place to come from. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely went myself from a, um, a career in art, which was in service of others, but to a career of coaching which is so much bigger because you're impacting lives that impact other lives. Um, And so it's this ripple effect of when one person starts to have that internal shift, they affect everyone around them. And it's, it's so expansive and so beautiful, um, especially if people are awakening at a later age. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the awakening because that's the topic of today's, um, today's podcast so what what do you mean by awakening from from within well as we've kind of touched on very slightly with you know the body as such how you're feeling as well and then you know taking that action we've almost kind of mapped it out we talk about awakening from within we're talking about and i can say esoterically here in a sense the three lower vehicles as we call it your three lower vehicles as our mind are your body on the physical level your heart, which means your emotions on the astral level, how we feel, that kind of sense of energy, and then your mind on the mental level. And these three areas are what ideally we're going to start pursuing to work on and to harmonize so that we become in alignment, so that we then we can connect with whatever we believe is higher than ourselves, such as your own soul, your highest version of you, whether you believe in God, Goddess, Buddha, Allah, whatever it is. So looking at, you know, past traumas if you need to, looking at your erratic emotions if you need to, look at the fact that you overanalyze if you need to, we need to start to learn to kind of see our own patterns, our own illusions, things that we believe are true but aren't. We just seem to convince ourselves that we can continue in our same, same ways. So it's a really good opportunity right now if you're listening to kind of check in with your body with your emotions, with your mind, and see how you're feeling. You know, are you someone who's always tired? Are you someone who's always late? 
a someone who often feels quite hurt by people's words or you seem to dwell in the emotional space a lot are you someone who's extremely you know analytical and very heady but finds it hard to connect your heart to connect and maybe open up with people when we start to see our patterns we start to understand ourselves better and this hence begins the path of awakening from within and it's a beautiful journey to go on especially if you're yet to be in a relationship because doing that work on yourself is going to benefit yourself but it's going to benefit everyone who connects with you and you'll find when you start to do this work from within you start to get to know yourself better you start to actually live from a place of authenticity i call this living from a place of soul you know who you really are what you really are as opposed to living from personality something that's kind of adapted over time because you've had to kind of adapt to what's happened to you, protecting yourself and protecting your heart because you've been hurt before from a divorce or a long-term relationship or whatever it was, these kind of things. So we're learning to break away illusions and glamours, we can call it, things that don't serve us to kind of crack through to our truth. Honouring your truth is so imperative for your entire life and especially in preparation for going into that relationship because you want to meet someone on that same level you want to be with someone who's also working on themselves you want to be with someone who's connected to something greater than themselves and who knows parts of their truth and who at least wants to work on it especially if you are committed to this kind of path which i imagine if they're joining you every week sandy then you know people out there must be this is what Uh we're seeking we're seeking to share our life with a beloved who can see us for who we really are that requires you to do the work to find out who you really are so looking at yourself from that body physical perspective the heart emotional perspective and the mind mental perspective is the greatest way to start and it's a really big rabbit hole don't be fooled this is not overnight work but it will happen (laughs) it takes dedication and time and showing up and reminding yourself oh look at me i'm going back into my same old same old pattern again you know and picking yourself up (sighs) out of that quicker esoterically we kind of picture this as the village in the mud where you know wants and desires are and addictions and gossip and emotions are just, you know, this whole soup of it, this muddy soup. And most people live there because they're comfortable. They like it. It's easy. But then there are those who choose to pick themselves up and search for more. And at the top of the mountain, that's kind of like, you know, an ashram or a temple or this beautiful abode where your soul wants to be, where that deep, deep part of you, that innate pull ideally wants to drag you up to. Now, we want to be in that place as often as we can, but sometimes we slip back down to the mud or sometimes we catch ourselves and we're slipping kind of slightly down. When our emotions are erratic, when we've let our physical body go, when our mind is like running the shop. Now, don't get me wrong, the mind is the powerful governing tool, but when the mind is erratic and and not harmonized, it can be to the detriment if it shuts out your heart, let's say, for example. So learning to catch yourself in these times, kind of being witness to yourself and having the strength to pull yourself back up to sit in, the sacred space in that temple on the top of the mountain. This is part of that work. So if you even can visualize that, if it resonates with you and imagine yourself being up there, what's it going to take for me to get back up there? What do I need to look at today? And think of this as baby steps. It's one thing at a time. Perhaps start with the body. Perhaps start with the mind. Perhaps start with the heart. Whatever you're more drawn to, you'll automatically know what is your, I guess, most common or preferred space. Those who are listening here, I dare say, might be more heart-based people. They might be feelers. You know, they're very much into reading New Age literature, as an example, or talking about what's going on with them. So maybe if that's you and you're going, yeah, actually, that is me, then start with your heart. Start with your emotions. Start with the process and cycles that you go through. And just know everything is shifting and changing and evolving all the time. So like I said, it's not 
a quick fix. It's not going to happen overnight. This actually is a lifestyle. It is a way of life. So if you start now, all the better. Mm. Yeah, that's so much good in what you just shared. And uh, I, I think that people get a little lost in what is truth and what is, I mean, these are beautiful terms and I've been living in this space for the last at least 10 years. So I get it. Um, I get what it means to be conscious on many levels and to really go deeper within and um, and to even be quiet because many of us are never quiet. You know, it's that mind chatter. And in the Book of Joy, they talk a lot about meditation and finding, a you know, whatever kind of prayer or meditation works for you. And a lot of people have struggled with that because it, it's scary to just quiet your brain and to do nothing. You know, to to do nothing and to be to be still. Um, so, do you have any exercises to help people? You know, you said get started and picture yourself on a mountain or temple or whatever. Um, do you have any really concrete exercise to help people get started with this kind of work? Mm. I love how pretty much you're talking about slowing down. You know, and being still. It can be very challenging. We also, if you're a mind person, would go, what a waste of time. I've got things to do. What is this? It's ridiculous. You know, so if uh-huh. you're thinking that, you might be a mind person or anything. But one of the keys, and especially I find women seem to struggle with this because we love to multitask. We love to get things done and we feel we need to be you know, masculine in the world because it's such a patriarchal society that we forget our feminine nature. To actually harmonize and balance your masculine feminine, your masculine is the doing, the getting stuff done, your feminine is the being, we neglect that part of us. We neglect this beautiful, soft, tender, flowing, creative part of us. All of us do, for the record, men and women. But I find women especially seem to struggle because they almost feel guilty for taking me time, right? Anyone responding to that right now? (laughs) So slowing down... And creating some space for yourself. Now, this could be five minutes every morning where you pour yourself a beautiful cup of organic tea. It might be when you're having a bath at night or a shower at night. It might be you get to have lunch on your own in a park sometimes. You know, find the time that's realistic for you and your lifestyle. I'm not going to rattle off all these ideas because you might be like, well, none of those work. I'm too busy. I've got five children. (laughs) You can find a time. It's not easy, but you can do it, right? So finding that time and carving out, let's call it a non-negotiable on a daily basis where you can just sit and be. Now, you can then, if you feel safe and comfortable, of course, and you're not driving a vehicle, close your eyes. And even if nothing else, just begin to notice your breathing. Is it rapid? Is it erratic? Are you taking really short breaths? Have you ever learned to do a beautiful big Buddha belly inhale, we call it? So you soften your belly. Yes, soften don't suck it in completely soften it let it just be relaxed you know as you inhale and exhale draw your belly button really close towards your spine as you let go of all that stagnant stale energy and air that you don't need so just taking 10 beautiful big buddha buddha belly breaths to help calm you down this will physically help calm down your central nervous system it will help your, your heart from an emotional perspective kind of soften a little bit. And if we look at it like a lotus, you know, the petals might gently begin to open slightly and your mind can dissipate. The mind essentially is one of the most tricky ones, but it's a process, right? You're giving yourself an uh-huh. opportunity. You're taking action. You're actually doing being, if that makes sense. And this is what we uh-huh. need to do, which is be on a regular basis. Now, you don't need to sit there for five hours and meditate like a Zen monk. It's not realistic. We don't live (laughs) life like that. 
but finding mm-hmm. little snippets of time that are non-negotiable and realistic for you and then when you're ready to build on that. Circumstances change, you know, life changes. Your children might be growing up and left home, so maybe their room becomes a meditation room. Who knows? We have different opportunities all the time. Look for these. Be open to those. See that you've got, you know, a 10-minute break. Okay, I'm not going to look on social media. I'm not going to just call, you know, Sandy for a gossip. I'm just going to sit with my tea <laughs> and close my eyes and just focus on my breathing and check in. How is my physical body feeling right now? How's my heart feeling right now? How is my mind right now? And from that place then, you know, what can I do? What's one thing I can implement for the rest of my day to perhaps feel more harmonized? Do I need to get out and go to the gym? Because I'm a body person. I haven't moved today. I'm feeling frustrated. My anxiety is picking up. I've got to move my body. So you book in and you do a, you do a class. Or maybe you're a creative and you're a heart-feeling person. You go, I just want to get into my studio. I just, I just want to paint. No one needs to see it. I just need to get a bit of, you know, paint on the canvas. Or if you're a mind person, you're like, I just want to read my book. Whatever it is, you know, use that little mini meditation process to then take that energy and implement it into an action. So we're harmonizing the being with a creative action. This is really important. And this connects to honoring your truth because your truth in that moment might be, to be true to me, I need to go out and move my body. To be true to me, I need to nourish myself and fuel myself with some study. So when we talk about truth, it's your truth in that moment. The all in, you know, all kind of overarching truth, we don't know it. We, we aren't the mind of God or goddess or Buddha or any of that. We only know fragments. Like a diamond, we see parts of it at a time. Just like, you know, the sun illuminates parts of the earth at a time. We only have part truth. But we can learn to know our personal unique truth if we start doing this work. Mm. Yeah, you know what? I have a question because I, I, I think everything you said is beautiful. And I think... One thing that uh, that's that's on my mind is is if somebody is a mind person and you're telling them to do something to nourish the mind, um, wouldn't they also really be needing to attend to other parts? So, like, if you're primarily, oh, yeah. you know, a thinker, right? So, wouldn't wouldn't you want to then focus more on the being if you're so much in your head? Yeah, definitely. But try telling that to a heady person. So sometimes it's just easier to start with what they're drawn to, you know, Mm -hmm. and and let them feel nourished there so that perhaps they soften, slow down, calm down, feel like they've been seen and heard and held in some capacity. And then there's almost Mm -hmm. like a doorway that opens up and we go, okay, now we're going to work with a bit of heart as an example. So that's so true. But there are others who actually have some willpower and, and be happy to start with heart, knowing that. It just depends where you are. But such a great question, Sandy. Thank you. Yeah, no, it can be it can be threatening to go f- directly to heart from mind, and 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 even I'm thinking in terms of men and women together that men are often much more in their head than women, um, so they're they're much more left brain oriented as a whole. Um, they might get like talking about feelings is not as common for them as for women who are much more relationally oriented. And so when you ask a man how he's feeling about something, he may freeze. But if you say, what do you think about that? He probably will talk about his feelings. Um, So you kind of come in through the door that feels familiar to them, and you can get to the feelings sort of in a different kind of path. 
Yeah, very true. I believe that's kind of like, you know, meeting someone where they are, just like we would with Mm -hmm. people that come to us. You meet them where they are. And it's also having awareness that we sometimes get caught up in our little world, how we see things, what's going on with us. We need to also sometimes step into someone else's world. We call that walking in their shoes, right? So being uh-huh. able to go into that person's world, maybe they've had a really big day, maybe something, you know, catastrophic's happened, maybe they're really excited or joyful. To be able to get to them in that point, you have to step into their world. And this uh-huh. doesn't mean you lose yourself as such. It means that you're able to be adaptable and relatable and you use that as a doorway to then communicating and sharing what it is you want to share with them. It's such a good point, and I think it brings us back full circle as we're ending the show today because what we started with was filling yourself and attending to those parts of ourselves. And when we can be full, we can be of service, and we can actually attend to other people's needs um, and see things through their lens instead of always being so needy to have people look through our lens and wondering why everybody doesn't function the way we do. (laughs) This is... It's such a common issue in relationships where people fight about these kinds of things. You know, I would never do something this way is a common thing you would hear. Well, no, you're not them. Um, And there's a client that I have who is hoping to move in with her boyfriend, and he does not keep the same type of house as she does, and he has a lot of clutter and he keeps buying more stuff, and he keeps saying he's going to clean up, and he doesn't really care that much about cleaning up. And so she has to decide if that's going to be a deal breaker for her, but to stop pushing so hard for him to do what she needs him to do when he's perfectly happy with the life he has. So she's actually slowed down and softened about it and realized that she's just got to pull back and, you know, and really approach it very differently. It's interesting in life. We either have to compromise or we stand strong. And we kind of balance between those two. And in a relationship, as we know, some things are for compromising. Other things aren't negotiable at all. Mm -hmm. And we learn this on the path of relationships, don't we? But that, you know, comes into our boundaries, honoring our truth and our discernment. So things that we kind of talked about today, listening to how your body, your heart, your mind react and respond to a circumstance like that would be a great way to go, well, am I willing to kind of let this be, am I willing to talk about and try and work on it or am I willing to walk away? You'll know because your body will tell you. Your body will tell you physically Uh and emotionally and mentally. And it's so important to do that body work. Um, I I know a lot of women who come to me are so detached from their intuition, from their body, from their heart, from their feelings, and this is the work. You know, when you can start really tuning in to what is your body saying in this moment, you're going to make wise choices from a place of abundance and expansion and connection. Um, so this, this just, I love this conversation, Elise. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, and, and if you can share how people can can find you and um, if you have anything that you would like to offer our audience you're welcome to do that sure the best way to find me is at stellamuse.com and that's stella with an a and if anything resonates there are a lot of 
articles and videos out there, you can also get my free ebook and a free three-part video series which talks about, especially for women, we call it the Yoni Heart-Mind Connection, the Yoni being your sacred sexual space. So we're dealing with the body, the heart, the mind once again. So that might be of interest to those. And if you'd yeah. like more, you can also tune into my show which is called Sacred Guidance with Stella Muse which is officially launching today actually. So you can find that on <gasps> Stitcher and iTunes as well. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank Good luck you. with your show. <laughs> uh, well, thank, thank you so, so much. much and thank you for having for being, me, Andy. Yeah. All right. Have a wonderful day. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Take care. <laughs>